Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Beneath Vancouver Radio. Hopefully you're having a good day. Um, thank you for tuning in on today's episode. And uh, today on the show, I have special guest Dylan. Um, Dylan is from Brigade Apparel, but he's also a, a man who wears other hats. So I'll let him kind of introduce himself. Dylan, how are you doing? Good, man. Great. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Can't complain. It's a, it's a decent day out here today. Cloudy, not too sunny. So um, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. So Dylan, for the audience members, if they don't know who you are, if they never heard of you before, um, why don't you tell us a little about yourself, tell us your story, and, and yeah, who you are today. Today, who am I? Today, I am Dylan Welch. Yes, <laughs> I, am, I am a founder of Brigade Apparel, the hopefully soon-to-be-launched um, clothing apparel brand. Um, the many other hats, day-to-day, um, -day, been working through digital marketing and online advertising for the last five years. And Brigade Apparel has been at the back of my mind for those last five years and within the last year has really become uh, what I thought would be just kind of like a side hustle and hobby to something that I'm really actually wanting to pursue. Like mm -hmm. the dream would be full time. Um, and that's just been due to like poking and prodding and doing little bits and like giving it um, try after try over the last couple of years to a point where I was like, yeah, you really need to do something with this. Um, I had originally started, well, it's, it's actually so different from what it was at the beginning to what it is now. It's actually not even the same, like Brigade. When we had, I had first started it, it was for a practicum in my final year of university. And I was in a marketing management degree. And mm -hmm. in order to graduate, because the whole course revolved around like digital marketing and online advertising, we had to launch uh, a brand or company of whatever, an online company. And our, we, our grades are based on the amount of sales we had. And oh, wow. it was like quite stressful because a couple people had to pass and a couple people had to fail because it was weighted across the entire uh, class. Mm -hmm. So you were basically, if you, if you didn't sell enough compared to everyone else, you failed that course, yeah. which was like a great thing to hear the first day of class. <laughs> yeah. So, good luck studying for that it, kind of exam. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I think that like that course took a couple of years off my life. <laughs> but um, so yeah, like I had always been in, like always been in the fashion, always been into apparel, always been into like design, always been into like just making and creating and being someone who also enjoyed like the business component of things and, and being in marketing, I thought like it would be really cool to do uh, an online apparel company. Mm -hmm. So uh, me and a group of other people, we decided let's go for it. And we came up with Brigade Apparel at the time. No, it, it wasn't even called Brigade Apparel, it's called Brigade & Co. Okay. The and, the and Co meant nothing we just thought it sounded cool because yeah, we we yeah no we walked past an rw and co one day we're like it's so in co on the end of there the cool factor just skyrockets uh, when you uh, have and yeah. co there <laughs> so and brigade was at the time we knew we weren't going to be designing our clothes so it was basically let's go find um a bunch of stuff in bulk and at that time there was a lot of i believe like if it was not already picking up, it was pretty big into like people buying those prepackaged monthly subscription boxes of like mm. clothing. And we thought like, those are still a thing. Sorry to cut you off. Those oh, I don't know, man. I never got into them and yeah, I haven't heard from them in a while. So I don't know how they all work out, <laughs> but um, we just had access to like a lot of stuff and like based on like, we just came up with the idea of let's, let's do like this kind of like vintage styred box where it's not actually vintage clothing, but it's like vintage inspired, like that vintage kind of old school, like okay. 1950s, 60s wear. So it's a lot of like hats and toques and scarves and gloves. And just because of that, like, I guess vintage feel, we called it brigade. Mm. Like that, that was like the, the, the little amount of thought that went into it. It didn't, that was about it. So <laughs> vintage and co brigade and co that's how it came about. 
Um, and so for the next four months, we had to like register a company. We had to like from the ground up, build this thing and like build a website and actually find all the different garments to source them in and sell them online. Did you get a um, budget for this or anything like that? Or how did that we had, work? With the school gave us like a $120 budget. Yeah, I think I could be wrong. It wasn't much. And it was basically to register for an online business and which covered the expenses of registering for an online business and registering for a business name, I think. Mm. Like it yeah, wasn't you have a to lot. find a name to make sure no one else has that. Yeah. Yeah. Like we, it was legit. Like we had to register a, a, a business in, in BC. Wow. Um, that's kind of cool. And then we had to basically put our entrepreneurial hats on and like start like sourcing the rest of our funds, whether it be through friends, family, through like just hustling. I don't remember exactly what we did. We wow. pulled our hairs out and stressed out for about four months straight, but we mm -hmm. finished it. We finished the practicum. Um, and I graduated and we shut down the business, but I really enjoyed doing it. For, and I knew like, I How was did you doing do? it. Oh, like we came top. We really oh, did. there you go. I think, okay. I think in the four months, I think we had the high, like someone could have broken the record now probably did. But at the time we had over 10 grand in sales over those four wow. months from like start to finish, That's which awesome. like, I was, I was pretty proud of. Um, yeah. But then like graduation happened, life happened, kind of happened, uh, shut down the business and went and got a job in the marketing agency full time, um, which was great. Like I, my degree was online marketing. So I got a job in the agency. I was like, here I come world. Like it's awesome. Yeah. And, you know, the big boy hat on. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. Put, put my suit on the first day to work, walked in. Everyone's like, why is the guy have a suit on? Like, it was super, like, not what I expected it to be because everyone was so lax. Um, and like over the next two years I worked there, but I always had this idea of running a clothing company again in the back of my mind. Cause I mm -hmm. knew like I was so restricted with what I thought I could do in practicum that if I was able to just do it my way, I would enjoy it so much more. Yeah. And you had that itch. I, yeah, I did have had that itch. I didn't realize it was kind of just a thought that hover around every once in a while or I like go clothing shopping and be like, man, I can't find what I want anywhere. Like it'd be cool to be able to make that or like mm -hmm. just like inspiration from like everything. And and so like over time I just started getting this itch more and more and more and more. And then I think over time I started like following people on Instagram who like were starting clothing companies and watching them do it, being like, man, like these guys are doing it. They're hustling at it. Like I should, I should give this a stab. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I finally got to the point one summer, probably a year and a half later where I was just like, you know what? I've been thinking about this for so long that I would really beat myself up if I didn't do it. Like I would regret not doing it because I have a summer right now where I don't have as many obligations. I'm not always going to have this amount of time. Like at the time I was still living with my parents. I didn't, I was not, I wasn't like paying anything for rent. I had like extra money. Like I did, I had less responsibilities and I knew what I would have in a couple of years. So I was like, I should just give this a go. And I, even if I fail at it, if I don't give it a go, that'll weigh on me more than not trying it at all. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was like, just do it. So like that entire summer I was living in Vancouver, but that entire summer I went out to white rock every weekend and I, and then I set up a PO box in Blaine and I ordered a bunch of stuff from like, I think at the time it was American apparel blank tees. Um, like rest in peace. I don't know if they're around anymore, but like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I would just go down to the States, pick up these orders of blank tees and then like start designing, like just like my wall look like when like those FBI movies from the trust solve. Yeah. Like I just had like, I, I actually just had sketches everywhere and like just try to like come over the designs and I was like. Connecting the, I, the evidence to the killer, to the killer. Yeah. Yeah. It actually wasn't even in my room. It was in my dad's garage because I went up to his garage every weekend and mm. I bought a screen printing kit and I like watched YouTube videos and just taught myself how to screen print. And I was like, 
all the money that I had went into like buying these blank tees and then some for like, I knew I was going to need a couple of maybe just for some like online marketing. And I just spent the entire summer designing these concepts, these, these designs and mm-hmm. then teach myself to screen print. The biggest part was learning how to screen print properly. Like I watched some videos. I'm like, okay, zip, zip done. It's easy. But like, holy, <laughs> it was not, it was not like, I didn't even know about like mesh count or the type of paint I should be using or like the like, like the whole like emulsion process. I didn't know any of that stuff. So it wound up taking me what I thought would be a week of like easy peasy. It turned like probably a month and a half to try and actually get this done properly. And so I went out there every weekend and I did that. And I finally had like this like collection of like hoodie, sweater, and a couple tees and these designs. And I thought at the time I hadn't even thought about sales. That was the funny part. I like just thought of designing these things. And I had all these shirts and I was like, how am I going to sell these? Like I haven't even thought about a sales strategy. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'll just throw some ads up on Instagram, reach out to some influencers, send them some stuff, and like hopefully some sales come trickling in. That's what I did. The online ads didn't do anything, um, <laughs> but I get at the time like, which is actually kind of sad for someone who went into like online advertising and then didn't do too well at the Instagram <laughs> marketing. But I think I honestly think I just didn't like. I I just wanted to like connect with people more than throw up ads. So I wound up like from some influencers I'd been following for quite a while. I just wound up reaching out to them and was like, hey. Mm-hmm we built up a bit of rapport over time. I was like, I started a clothing brand. Like if I sent you some stuff, would you mind like doing some pics for me? And like, you have some content and I have some content and they were all like so keen to do it. So I went for it, sent uh, a garment Lo- out to locally this, or outside. A couple, well. them, a couple of them were in Vancouver. One of them was in Toronto. One of them was in the UK. Okay. Like, I had the UK now it's like an ASOS model. Like he's like, he oh, went wow. places. He's like, <laughs> like given that's like what he wanted to do, I assume. But like, and so those are what actually got me some sales. Um, mm. they would like post these on their page. Um, and some of these people had like quite a few thousand, like 30,000, 40,000 followers. And I was like, those got me some sales. I was like, cool, cool. Got some sales, but I didn't actually really care about the sales. I was just happy people were liking my stuff. Mm-hmm. The sales actually relatively didn't, I don't think they, I didn't make any money on that. I wasn't trying to, I was just trying to like, I was trying to, I think for the most part, just like prove to myself that, that I you could do it. Right. Yeah. Like I, I'm, not trying to sound cocky, but like, I'm pretty confident. Like if I put my all to something, I can make it happen because there Mm -hmm. hasn't been any time where like, if I haven't really buckled down on something, I've been able to make it happen. It's just like, I just have to like not procrastinate, which I'm amazing at. And I just have to (laughs) like really focus my time and my energy on like what I want to do. But if I want to do it, I've been able to make it happen. Just like actually having the discipline to do it. And so I made it happen. I think at that time it was more just, I've been thinking about it for a year and a half and I wanted to prove to myself that you'd go through with it and actually do it instead of just like doing nothing with your time. Cause like the time's going to pass anyway. Mm-hmm. You can let it pass by continuing to think about do it, or you can let it pass by actually trying to do it. And yeah. so I was just really happy that I actually tried. And so I sold like, I don't know, I made like a hundred shirts. I think I sold like 20 or 30 of them. And then like work really picked back up. Summer kind of ended and then like life hit again. And I kind of let it brigade like drop off. Um, got a new job. Um, and how and then, long ago was this? Sorry, like that was new, in two thousand kind of transition. That, so that, that second, that that first stab after university was like two thousand eighteen, I think. Mm-hmm. Two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen, and then probably another year went by where I just kind of like thought about it. And I was like, that was fun, but like just life, like just other things took a front seat, and I like kind of took it, took a back burner of it, and like that's on me. But I just was like just a bunch of life stuff, new jobs, trying to like work where it went up further in the company I was at getting a new job, like all this stuff kind of like took, took focus. And then I got a new job and new job is like amazing. I still had that itch though. 
Like, mm. even though this new job was like everything I had wanted for the past two years in terms of like my growth as like a marketer and online advertiser, I still had this itch for brigade. And the itch only got bigger when I realized like, man, it was fun. Like printing on blank peas was fun, but like, it just showed me that I wanted more. I wanted to like, actually, I didn't get everything I wanted. I wanted to design these garments. I'd have no idea, but like, I just knew I wanted to design garments. I want to put stories in the garments. I want to collaborate with people and tell stories. Like I want to build a community and a brand. I knew I wanted to do all this and I knew I had absolutely no idea how to do it, which I think is why I put it off for so long. I was like, mm -hmm. I don't know what to do. It's the I don't uncertainty. Yeah, for sure. I was like, I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. I got to figure it out. And like, I just learned the more I looked into it and figured it out, the more I was like, dude, you're never going to be hundred percent prepared for this. Like you're never going to have planned so well that you're going to go into this and like, there's going to be no hiccups or speed bumps. Yeah. And it was when I got to that point where I was finally like, again, you're back to where you were the first time where you're just thinking and waiting and not doing and you start doing. So again, I finally had an opportunity I saw where I was like, you have a lot more time on your hands right now and you got to give it a shot. And you really got to give it a shot because at the time I was come to like 28, 29 years old and I was like a couple more years. And like, I don't think if like, I'm going to have time for this, like you got to find out now if you have time for this. Cause now's the time I think in my head, I told myself, if you're going to like even try and make this happen, like one day you're your own clothing brand, it's got to be now. Mm. So I, again, turned my wall of my new apartment into what looked like a murder mystery. <laughs> and I just had like papers everywhere, designs everywhere. And I started planning in the fall of 2000, probably at the very beginning of 2019 is when I started planning. And I was like, and I, when I say planning, I meant like all I did when I got home from work was like planned out what I had to do. I had, mm -hmm. On weekends, I did like I was. I was like, you're gonna have to basically sacrifice like a social life at this point, and like your free time has to be spent on this if you want it to be as big as you think you want it to be. Um, which is another thing because like that whole work life friend like hustle balance is like that's a whole other conversation, yeah. I guess. But like, um, it's a beast that, on its own. <laughs> oh, I just like that's like time management balancing, and like I was actually at one point spending so much time brigade. I was like, I haven't seen my friends and my family in a while, but. Mm -hmm whole other story, but I basically started planning and planning and planning, something months planning, like, what do I want the brand to be now? What is like, what do I want the designs to look like? What are the stories I want to do? What colors of fabric? What's the website going to look like? What's the IG going to be? What's my content schedule going to be? Like all I did was plan and plan and plan. But no execution? Yeah, exactly. Like basically mm -hmm. I would make business plans like as if I was going to a bank for a loan, which I wasn't. Like I did a bunch of stuff I didn't need to do. I think I just felt safe doing it because I knew how to. Mm -hmm. but it didn't actually require me to do anything other than plan. And then I started getting really, really frustrated. Probably with like the, actually like um, two or three months into it, I got so frustrated because I was like, I'm spending so much time on this stuff and like nothing's happening. Yeah. There's no like, like have, fruits of your labor aren't showing kind of thing. Yeah. Like I have way more concepts and I have a much better idea of where I want to go with it, but I, I'm not going to go with it unless I do it. Like, it's just like, it was that simple. And then, mm -hmm. I really realized like I have to bite this bullet and actually make things happen because you're just investing so much time and you're going to drain yourself. If that time doesn't start like that snowball effect doesn't start rolling. You don't see, start seeing like a, a result from this. So I was like, where do I want to start? And at first I was like, you're going to do everything. You're going to do everything on your own, which I think about, think back at it and kind of laugh. I'm like, there's no way I can do everything on my own, especially knowing that I had never done this before. Like besides this little business I had done back in university, realistically, I had never started a real clothing brand. I had barely yeah. touched a sewing machine in my life. Like I didn't know how to do any of that stuff. So I thought, okay, you got to register for your business. So I went and registered the business. And I made it official. I got the approval that you are now a corporated business in BC. And I'm like, okay, it's official. You're a business. Go be a business. So, mm -hmm. so I, I put up an ad on 
I had all these concepts, all these designs that I wanted to do, had no idea how to make them, had no idea to pick our fabrics, had no idea about anything. And I was like, well, I need to find someone who knows about this that's better than me and that can educate me. So I put up an ad on Craigslist for a seamstress. And I, it was like, hey, I'm a local a wannabe designer brand, yada, yada, yada. I'm looking for some, a seamstress <laughs> who can help me bring these concepts to life. And that can also like teach me along the way because I really wanted to know how the process worked. Like, yeah. I don't want to be, I don't need to be an expert in everything, but I want to be able to speak to it because it's like my product. It's my brand. It's like, I want to be able to know why a garment hangs a certain way or why you cut fabric a certain way or why a stitch is done one way versus another way. Like I want to be able to speak to those things because a lot of the details in the garments of brigade or a lot of the storytelling is within the details. And so I want to know why those details are a certain way. And so, and she was great. She had just graduated from school. She was from Montreal and she was like, you know what? Like I'm kind of starting this up my two, like I'm somebody like first run being like a contract, like freelance uh, seamstress. And I was like, let's help each other out then. Like you learn from me, I'll learn from you. Yeah. We had a great life. Craigslist bringing people together. So funny. <laughs> and then like, yeah, no kidding. Now Facebook marketplace is just taking over, I guess. Yeah. Like, and yeah um, so for like, for this, that summer through in 2019, that, that summer, um, every weekend I was at a, a sewing studio somewhere and mm. we, I was just showing her concepts and designs. And I was like, how do we make this happen? How do we make it? And sometimes she wouldn't even know it. Like we had to do some tests. So uh, Dresso, that fabric place in Vancouver became like my best friend. I was there all the time, <laughs> spending my money at like just raw fabrics and like learning about fabric too. Like the weights of fabrics, the way some fabrics should, like have a sheen and don't, how they drape over the body, how to get certain looks. Like I had no idea what any of this stuff, which wow. made everything so much more complicated because mm-hmm. I went into it thinking, fabric's fabric no yeah like, grab no, like, anything grab anything yeah you make a <laughs> denim shirt versus a cotton shirt it's gonna turn out the same way like there's so much stuff i didn't realize and that was extremely overwhelming like mm. it got really overwhelming to realize i'm going into something that i know nothing about and the more i go into it the more i'm realizing I know nothing about it and that got actually quite overwhelming and quite like can i do this i don't mm-hmm. know if i can do this like this is i, I need help like this is yeah. not my ballpark but some self-doubt tons of self-doubt like even like, it's just like is this but then the self-doubt is like, it's kind of like I see it as a roller coaster almost where like majority of the time it's going down, but then you get this massive peak once in a while. When you hit that peak, you can't help but want to keep going, even though yeah. you know there's going to be more downs because that peak is just like such a rush. Mm-hmm. I think my first like rush is when I tried on my first sample. Like mm-hmm. I, I showed me how to sew it and make it and I tried it on and I was like, holy shit. I this is it. Yeah. I made a shirt and like, it wasn't even that good, but I was like, I made this. Like, <laughs> Do you still have that? Somewhere in my closet, I have all the samples I did from yeah. way back in the day. Um, yeah, I'll show you sometime. That's like it's it's cool actually to look back. I was going through those a little while ago and looking back from where I first started to yeah. where I am now. And like a lot of the time, I find it e- the whole process. I found it so easy to kind of think you you you've seen no progress when really, if you actually look back on where you were in all the little things and look at all the little wins, it adds up to so much. And mm-hmm. you don't almost realize that until you take the moment to look back and see where it started. But yeah, I did that for a whole month and I got all of these garments together and we finally got like the final drafts done, the patterns, the samples. And I was like, great, let's go into production. And she was like, I- I'm one person like in a sewing <laughs> studio. Like I-, I can't. That's not how it works still. It's <laughs> not how it works. And that's, that was another setback. Cause I didn't know. I was like, wait, what? You can't make all this for me? And she's like, I could, but like I'd charge you so much per garment because like one person mm-hmm. having to go with all these machines, no production line, like I would, it wouldn't be worth the cost. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, this is never going to happen. Like another setback. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is never going to happen. And then like around the same time, the manufacturers getting the fabric, funds, fa- fabric from stopped 
manufacturing the fabric of one of the garments I wanted to make. I was like, oh, I gotta find a whole new fabric now. And knowing it's gonna be new fabric, I'll have to make new samples. And like for a while there in the summer, I felt like this is never gonna happen. Mm. Especially because again, going into it, not realizing how much time it takes. I thought by the end of summer, I'd have a whole collection I'd be selling in like the fall of 2019. And anyone that like follows like the, my friends or anyone that follows me on Instagram knows like I probably posted <laughs> stuff of like coming soon, and that was a year ago. <laughs> hey man, like, soon is subjective. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, for sure, for sure. Um, and so after that, I was feeling pretty bogged down. Work got even busier, but I was like, no, you got to keep going with this. And so I was like, I guess I have to find a manufacturing facility to make these for me. Mm-hmm. And I had quite a few people being like you're a local brand you're trying to make from like pretty high quality garment like fabrics um like your your costs are going to be high it's going to be expensive like, right? yeah well yeah because like during the process of making the garments i really realized i liked bamboos and i liked um cottons and the the supplier i was working from was out of canada where i was getting these like organic bamboo and organic cottons like the label organic did honestly i, I didn't care about it at the beginning Mm-hmm. because I didn't even know they made organic fabric at first. Like I didn't even know about that, but once I started testing out tons of different fabrics and then wearing them and washing them and like getting them dirty, I just noticed these ones were like the quality was so good and the feel was so good and the fit was so good. And then I was like, man, like, is it, is it the organic? Is that something to do about it? And then that opened up a whole new realm of learning for me. Like, like behind the scenes prior to even getting the fabric, what's happening to get that fabric. And that was like, a whole other world of education I had no idea about, like the consumption aspect of fabric, like the amount of water it takes to make this stuff, like something yeah. I had no idea about, but then realized it's part of my product. I got to know about it. Mm-hmm. Like, cause if anyone asks me, you got to be answered. I got to speak to it. An I, I also yeah. want to know about it. I also want to know myself. So then I got into this whole like realization, like, man, I would actually really like to be using more sustainable fabrics. Like, and that I didn't go into this thinking that at all, just kind of like the learning process. I got to that point. Um, and so again, of course, like with that though, costs are much higher. So my original point being like, people were saying you should go offshore, like you should go to China and get these manufactured. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know what? I've talked to some people in the industry cause I had a phase of like going into LinkedIn and just messaging people right. and being like, can you just, can I buy you a coffee? Can I pick yeah. your brain for a while? And a lot of people said, you know, like going over to China, it's like frowned upon, but there are also like some really good companies over there who do practice like ethical, like, uh, treatment of like their workers and like making sure that like it's done in a more sustainable way as opposed mm-hmm. to like massive. And I know they're out there, but I still wanted to have more understanding again and control of that process. So I thought I want to go local for now. Like I want to be able to like drive 20 minutes and find the production facility and go see my products being made and go talk to the people making it and go talk to the people who are like organizing it and understand that entire process. Yeah. Um, and that was really important to me. And luckily I found um, a really great manufacturer has been like very, very helpful in terms of just educating me. I was like, I need like, this is, I want this to be not just like a transactional money partnership. Like I want it to be an mm-hmm. educational partnership. I'm going to bug you and ask you questions. I want to see how stuff works. And like, I want you to be okay with that. Or hopefully you're okay with that. Hmm. I think I said it a bit nicer than that, but like, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, yeah. Cause again, like I just needed to know about the product, like in a, and, and I, I keep, realizing while I'm saying this to you, I wanted to know, I wanted to know about the product. I wanted to know about the process. That entire process in itself about learning about the process is where like the entire concept for the first collection came from. Because I realized like I was making these garments and I was trying to embed stories into them 
And I was like, I don't really know what kind of stories I want. And then I thought like, why not better the stories of what you're currently going through, which is mm-hmm. like the constant up and down and struggle and hustle. And like, like, and then eventually after you kind of get beaten down a couple of times, you get lifted. And I was like, the, the motivation and the inspiration and like the drive you can get, you keep at it. And I wanted all that told in like the collection, which is where like the whole dream and hustle came from. Cause this was like first collection dream and hustle. Like it started as a dream years ago and over the course and the more the hustle has actually happened, the more this has come to fruition. And so eventually I just started taking all these learnings and these like stories that I've been experiencing while making the collection and embedding them into the garments themselves, thinking anyone else who's going through a similar process, thinking about going through a similar process, whether it's my story or theirs can relate when they wear this garment, like you can, they can relate to it. So like the journey long sleep I've had, like the whole point of that long sleep is like, the beginning of your process, the beginning of the hustle and the journey it takes you to get there and where you go with it. So yeah. like I'd mentioned earlier, the detail, the stories with the details, like the whole journey, you have like a double top stitch going down the back and that's meant to be a path, like a journey or a road. And the back is where you start and then it moves you forward to wherever you end up going. And there's kind of like the small hidden details in the garments that I want you to tell the stories. Um, and so like, that's how that, that's kind of where I'm at now. Like, I'm just like, I have the stories, I have the garments, I have everything ready to go. It's just then, boom, COVID hits and manufacturing facility goes on pause. The screen printing goes on pause. Like everything shows, slows down and shuts down for a bit. So this collection was supposed to be like out in April. Um, and now due to being paused and a lot of it being like slightly warmer spring and winter wear, I'm, I think like I'm most likely I'm putting it off until fall and then just mm. going to rework the strategy a bit and like maybe come up try and do some accessories along with the t-shirt i had planned it's like a soft launch and then come fall do like a bigger grand launch of the original garments i had planned on i planned yeah. on releasing well that was a lot about me and my story but that's <laughs> that that's no it. that's great <laughs> you you pretty much summed it up in terms of uh being able to describe obviously where you you've come from your beginnings and and i think for for me, especially just listening to, to you and, um, you know, we've chatted a, a couple of times prior to this episode, but uh, I've never actually heard it in depth, so to speak, like the, the trial and errors that you've gone through, the ups and downs, the roller coaster ride, as you mentioned. And yeah. I think for a lot of our listeners, that's what they really enjoy out of these episodes and out of this podcast is being able to hear about those kind of obstacles that, you know, fellow creatives, entrepreneurs, business owners, you name it, go through on a daily basis, right? Or on a regular basis, you can say, because for a lot of us, um, and when I mean us, I mean like us as a consumer, we see like the, we see the fruitions, right? We see the ideas come to life. We see people succeed. We see, we see people's ideas, you know, become a reality or their dreams become a reality. But as you just mentioned, as you just, you know, beautifully described is it wasn't all just like sunshines and rainbows and arguably there's still a lot to get to, to get to the other side of that kind of era for you. So um, I guess the, the, the follow-up that I wanted to bring with that and, and I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into really the, the process. Um, I know you mentioned a little bit about how you want each garment to kind of tell a story and be able to describe, you know, to the, to the smallest detail, what each kind of stitch or, or what each kind of design aspect has to it and, and what that means for the, for the apparel and for the vision that the, the, the company has for someone who, from what at least I've described, uh, from what you've described with not much design background, you obviously went to school for marketing and online advertising yeah. And that's, you know, what you're working in right now. How was that kind of transition for you and the actual learning of 
designing and actually being able to, you know, make these sketches and being able, like that? Was that something that you struggled with a little bit or was that something that was easier to pick up than maybe something else? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, when I had originally started like the design process, my imagination ran wild. Like, mm -hmm. well, there's two parts to this. The first part of it with my business background was very like, keep your costs into consideration. Because again, like I had a business background, like I was told, like, make sure you get your finances in check, and blah, blah, blah. So I was mm -hmm. like coming up with business plans of like, how much is it going to cost to print? How much is a label going to call all this stuff? And I think that was hindering me a bit. And so eventually I was like, don't take costs into consideration. Like this is design, just like go nuts, go, mm -hmm. go crazy with it and then work your way backwards. And so the first thing I did was just like, how do I want the garments to look and feel? And I knew for like my own personal aesthetic, because this whole thing has been like, what do I like to wear? And then hopefully other people can resonate with it. Mm -hmm. So it's just been like, what do I want? And I've just like always been a fan more so later on of just like a bit oversized drapey clothing, especially in the fall, especially in the winter, which is when this collection was originated. Cause like I like to wear like long coats, long jackets, like to layer. And so I thought like long drapier garments, I'd be able to do that. And it's something I like to wear. So I wanted them all to have kind of like a boxier drapier feel to it. And so the design of the actually like just the look of the garments themselves started from just trying on a bunch of different clothes. I'd go to like Nordstrom and I go to like a bunch of other areas and just try stuff on. Like, what do I like the feel of? What do mm -hmm. I like? How do I wear this? And that's when I got like knew how I wanted the garments to look as for like the details of them in terms of telling the stories that just came over time. Like when I first went into this, I didn't know how I wanted to tell stories to the garments. I didn't know how to do it. I'd never done it before. I had no idea how that worked. I just, over like trial and error of making samples, realized what I liked, what I didn't like, and then how to incorporate and embed those stories into it. Because they were all stories of me, like what had just been happening to me that entire journey. So incorporating the story into the garment wasn't that difficult, but doing it in a way that actually worked with the style of the garment, if that makes sense, was a bit of a challenge. Um, gotcha, okay. And so it basically just started with tons of sketches. And then from the sketches, making a ton of samples, implicit on samples, what do I like? What do I not like? And then how do I enhance what I really like? And how do I do it in a way where I'm doing it? How do I do it so I'm getting what I like out of it? And it's also something that I don't currently see on the market. And I'm mm -hmm. not, I don't say that in a way to like try and find a, a way in. It's just like I'm making stuff that I like to wear that I'm not finding. Yeah. And so yeah, that's you're, what I'm- You're creating, you're solving, I mean- you're solving a, a problem in the sense that it's like, I can't find it. Why don't I just make it kind of thing, right? Or you're, you're becoming proactive in that kind of aspect. Or like I can find it, but I'm finding it in like, I'm finding it in like acne or I'm finding it in like these quite expensive brands that like, yeah. I know not everyone can afford. And it's like, I like it, but I also want to be able to make that in a way that's a bit more affordable. So I want to eat. No, yeah. Like I say that and like, I'll be fully transparent, like because like the way I'm making the garments and smaller batches and locally and using like quality products, like it's also going to be more expensive than something you buy at like H and M or urban yeah. outfitters. Like but like, it's also going to be, kind of stuff. it's also going to be more affordable than something if you're doing like high end for like whole rent through or Nordstrom. Mm -hmm. So that's where I kind of want it to be something that I like that I can wear. And that's like, if I can afford it from like my career and like, price range of like what I do and like hopefully other people can as well that was like yeah. my mindset going into it um so yeah that's how the design process worked and then like I feel like it's always working like I'm always seeing something and being like how yeah. can I put that I'm always evolving seeing, oh, how, 
okay, how can I do that exactly? I don't think it actually really stops. It's just like, I'll even find myself now, like see a shirt and then remember a concept or something I saw a while ago and then sketch it out and be like, oh, I wonder how that would look. Do you carry a, a little sketchbook with you all the time or it's not um, to that level? <laughs> no, like basically my, my iPhone is full of notes of just okay. like random things that I thought of at the time. And I'll go back two months later and be like, what the heck was that about? Yeah, you're it's like, like basically my little, and then I just like, through this whole thing just like my my learning how to use adobe for the design aspect of it I just have like a ridiculous amount of files on my computer just like designs yeah um, version one version two version three final v1 final v2 <laughs> oh and then like cap all caps final because you yes. can see the real final the final final <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's exactly so many final 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 it knows it knows <laughs> I would share um, my screen right now, but since we're recording it, I, I don't want to. I'll show you. I'll show you later. It's ridiculous. Yeah. It's like oh the word final in all caps almost doesn't mean anything anymore. It's just like. I, I just um, recently cleared that out, actually. I just bought a, uh, a hard drive just because my, my storage <laughs> for my laptop was getting pretty full. And I was yeah. going through all the files and all. Like, I don't use, um, I don't use Illustrator or, or Photoshop as much. So most of my stuff is just like Lightroom. Yeah. Um, and, and any premiere pro, uh, project. So it's just like final, 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 final. It's just, oh, it's, I was just looking back at this. I'm like, Oh, it's pretty bad, but yeah, it's, I can totally, it is relate. funny. Um, yeah. And so like, that's, that's the design. And I'll, I've noticed a lot of like, I guess my own personal preference is a lot of the, I guess, design elements of it. I, I try mm -hmm. not to be like my personal preference. Most of the time is like, I don't like big and bold and flashy. So like a lot of the concepts and the garments are like quite simplistic, but they have, in my opinion, like really nice, really cool, really like, um, like I just love, I, I guess I'm being biased. I just like the gar the details I put in, like the subtle details in the stitching or the way it hangs. Like that's kind of the design. It's not necessarily a big logo or a massive print. And that's not to yeah. say I'm not doing that because one of them has like a big print on the back of it, but it's like not overly complicated. I want it to be something that's like, you can put on, it's comfortable, it's simplistic, and it's fashionable, and it's something you can't find anywhere else. But it's not necessarily like, as I was saying, a lot of the stories within the details. So someone walking down the street might see you wearing a brigade piece and not know the meaning of it, but you know the meaning of it. Yeah. And then and that's like, why you wear it, then, right? Yeah. And then, then someone you might talk to might see the details. Oh, that's really cool. And then, oh, well, there's a story behind this, actually. That's my dream of like how I feel like people will talk about the brand and like see the designs of the brand. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You need to dream big. Right. And I think, you know, there's, um, you know, there's, there's talk or there's kind of that misconception of like, well, you don't want to dream too big. Right. Cause you, you don't want to, you know, fantasize about certain things, but I feel like it's when, especially just hearing you talk about it, to be honest, I can feel like the, the passion that you're emitting and, and how much you really want to just be able to see this grow into something that's, um, you know, it's been a long time coming for the last two to three years. And once that final project or that once that final piece of apparel actually is released, I think for you, it's, it's, it, I think it'll bring the similar feeling to how it did with the sample, right? But now in a different kind of level of like, you know, I can sell this, people can actually wear this, this is what I wanted. Yeah. And once you see, I think, I can't imagine the time that you bump into someone on the on the street that's wearing your your piece. I think that'll be, that'll be awesome. another level of <laughs> elevation. You know what? It's so funny you mentioned that because like as this whole process has gone, I've had like mini milestone goals, like many mm. cool things that happen because as you just mentioned, the dreams get bigger and bigger. And if I think back to my first original dream to just like prove to myself, I would make some blank tees. And now my dream is to like see someone walk down the street in my piece. Like I feel like the dreams constantly get bigger the more mm. you get close to achieving them because then you realize like I can dream bigger because I've achieved this one thing. There's no reason to want to stop. 
Yeah. And like, I was thinking the other day I was writing down like a list of like goals I'd like to see in the next year. And one of them was like, it'd be so cool to see someone after this collection, eventually just walk down the street and see someone in one of my shirts. Mm-hmm. I was like, how nuts would that be? Yeah. Soon, man. Soon. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that time once everything kind of comes back out and people see like, obviously the story behind it and the passion that you bring into your, your designs. Um, I'm sure people will resonate with that. I, I'm sure I'll, I will, I will be, I'll be representing loud and loud and proud the the dream and hustle merch. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, one question that I did want to bring up. So yeah, besides uh, yourself, I've, I've only really had my friend David um, from youth brand and I guess Daniel as well. Daniel Golan from uh, Marcus Amadeo. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I think that's it. Hopefully I don't not missing anyone else. So I don't have a lot of, of people on the, on the show that, you know, are, are kind of clothing based or at least are in that kind of industry. So um, for people who, who might be interested in kind of, whether it be learning more about, you know, see, uh, you know, the design aspect of it, you said that you had reached out to a lot of people on LinkedIn. Um, I'm curious to maybe your, your approach on that. And this I think can be used also for people, not just that are interested in, in clothing, but if you're, you know, let's say you're into photography and you see someone on LinkedIn that does photography, stuff yeah, like that, yeah. or just networking in general. Do you have any tips or any kind of things that you could offer to the, our listeners that could be like, if you're wanting to, to learn more, I know you mentioned you learn a lot more from others and you can kind of fast track your learning by hearing what other people have to say. Yeah, um, why don't yeah, you maybe yeah. share a little bit of insight on that? Uh, for starters, something I have not been doing enough of and I need to be doing more of because it's never not been beneficial. Um, True. I think the biggest thing for me was just when I came to the table to talk to someone, I wanted to feel like I almost knew as much as they would because I could mm. keep up. But then that that defeated the whole purpose of doing it because like I'm reaching yeah. out to you because I don't know as much. But I almost feel like maybe it was just like a, and I don't know, it was like a bit of like intimidation or just like not feeling ready for it. But like I have never... I would I would go out into LinkedIn, Instagram, um, mm. like even like you, you and I met. Like we just started yeah. chatting and just being like, "Hey, I love what you're doing. I love what you're doing." And like, and that was one thing I've been doing the most of. So earlier on, it was LinkedIn, um, a lot in university, um, a lot afterwards, and then just reaching out to people saying, "Hey, I'm trying to get a clothing company started up. I'm thinking about it, and like I'm really passionate about the work and I feel like I just need to get some more insight and I can see like you're quite successful and I've been following you for a while and I really admire what you're doing. Like, can I buy you a beer? Can I buy you coffee and just pick your brain? Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. I just go find like people in Vancouver, like um, more recently on LinkedIn um, or sorry, more recently on Instagram yeah. and just like get a conversation with them and see like if you can just like, cause you being able to get some other time is so valuable. Yeah. Like, because that, that, like, I can't think of a single conversation I've been able to have with someone that I've reached out to that didn't somehow improve or better what I was doing at that time. Because you just gain, like, and then the cool thing is, like, I share stuff with them and they'd be like, oh, I didn't think of that too. That's a really good idea. Like, it's just like you just, the power of like collaboration again, which is why, like, I'm so focused on collaboration as a key component of the brand. Cause, like, there's just like, I just see like so much potential when you get like great minds together and you start creating cool stuff. And even when it comes to like just sharing knowledge of like the industry. Um, so that's what I've, I've been doing and I continue to do it. Like I just reach, I'll, I'll find and be genuine about it too. I would say like be genuine about it. Don't just reach out to anyone to get about it. Like I, for myself at least, I was only reaching out to the people that like I genuinely had been following and I genuinely had been engaging with their content. I genuinely had been liking their stuff and I genuinely look forward to it because like I wanted it to be genuine. I didn't want you to think I was just coming at you to waste your time and not talk to you again. Like I still have relationships with those people and even you and I are still talking. Like 
I think like make sure you for yourself and their selves, pick people whose time you actually want to commit to giving and they want mm-hmm. to give to your time because I think you'll get a lot more out of it at the end of the day. Um, yeah. Same with LinkedIn. Like I've, I've found a lot of people who I would consider like higher up or I guess well, way higher up in like, like I guess you could say the corporate ladder or even just like what they're doing um, uh, for a job. Like they're so keen to pass their knowledge down to you if you like really want to. If you want to listen. Like even, yeah. Even, yeah, like even me, like I'm like, I feel like just getting the ball rolling. And sometimes a lot of people ask me questions and I'm just so eager to share with them what I know. Again, that's part of like what I'm doing, what I'm trying to do with like this IG content strategy is like share my knowledge and what I've gone through to hopefully help other people. Cause it's like, it's pretty rewarding to like do something and have someone want to pick your brain and be able to help them for I found the same thing with everyone I reached out to, especially on LinkedIn. It's like, I'm so keen to like help share my knowledge with you because it's like they're passionate about it as well. Yeah. So it's like, go for it. Like, go for it. If you like, want to like really not waste your time, I shouldn't say waste your time, but like really expedite your learning process and figure out like tricks, the trade and things you wouldn't otherwise know, like reach out. And like, I, I think you'll be surprised to see how many people are like really, really excited to actually help you out and spend some time and share their knowledge with you. Yeah. I think that for me was the biggest kind of boost. If you could, if you could say it like that, when it came to, to when I started all of this, Obviously, for me, most of the people that I met and still continue to meet is through, yeah, like Instagram. I've met some people through LinkedIn, but even having those connections afterwards, and I think you summarized that pretty well, and having that genuine relationship has opened a lot of doors for me outside of that relationship. So whether it be like, let's say, for example, if I have someone on the show that I've been following for a while and they really enjoy how it went, they'll be like, hey, Aaron, I recommend you chat with my friend. He does so-and-so or they do such and such. And then from there, that opens the doors with them. And that obviously gives me an opportunity to, to, to share my platform with them as well. Right. And I think for the tough, the tough aspect about it all is you have to obviously understand that, you know, at the end of the day, time is the only resource that you can get more of, right? Like that's once it's gone, it's gone, whether it's an hour to two hours, but it's going in with the open mind of understanding of, okay, I've got an hour and a half. I've got 50 minutes. I have 30 minutes with this one individual come prepared you have specific questions i think they'll respect that a lot more if you're coming in hey you know dylan thank you for you know having this coffee chat with me i know you're short on time i just wanted to actually ask you x y and z that's what i'm interested in um at least if that's you know if you're short on time if you have an hour to two hours then obviously you can probably dive a little bit deeper but come prepared know what you want to ask and try to see also in what ways you can offer value as the as the mentee, so to speak, I'm using yeah. quotes for our, our audio listeners. Um, and 100%. as the mentee, how you can, and you can provide value to the relationship because as much as experience they might have, they're also willing to learn as well. Right. And it also shows that you're taking the initiative to, to help them in one way or another it might not be to the same extent, so to speak, as you, as you might be getting, but um, at least you're offering some sort of insight. So um, yeah, just put your, put yourself out there, you know, if they say, Hey, sorry, I don't have time. Or if they leave you on red, um, you know, you, you bite the bullet, right. But at least, you know, that you've tried, um, and and try to make it, uh, as interesting as they can for them and try to see in what way possible you can uh, maximize their time as well. So that's our kind of, uh, or Dylan and Aaron's kind of insight tips when it comes to you know <laughs> what just to, to add to that too? yeah guys go for that, it, like even like even I was I was left on red or like I'd have actually people say like I don't have time but let me pass you off to this friend of mine who would be able to yeah. sit down with you like even if you don't hit it on the mark like someone will and people again like I've had I had quite a few times people were like 
clearly like, I don't have the time to do this, but let me put you in touch with my business partner or this person or I have a friend mm-hmm. here who's in this. And that has always just led to more conversation and more networking and more knowledge growth. Yeah. I don't think I've ever walked away. I, I guess I can't confirm it, but like I'm, a lot of the time when I like have these think meetings, I will walk away with like a new contact, like a new friend and like another potential person to talk to and learn more from. Cause they just see, cause if you're passionate about it, they're going to see your passion. Yeah. They're going to be like, this person means business. And like this yeah. person, I'm like the drive and the energy. I'd be more than happy to like share my network and like expand and grow. And it's like everyone helping everyone. Right. Yeah. It shows that you came to play and that you're there to learn and you're not just like, you know, don't show up late and, and stuff like that. It's the way that I describe it is consider a coffee chat as if you were going to an interview, right? Like, you know, you don't have to wear a suit, but um, just, you know, show up, you're making a first impression, right? That's what it boils down to. And, you know, I've had opportunities down the road from people that I've met two to three years ago that they, they're like, Hey, Aaron, I, you're still, you're still doing what you're doing. Um, yeah. I, I can connect you with this person, or I feel like you'd be good for this kind of stuff. And, um, you know, it's, you don't have to be speaking to them every day and stuff like that. Obviously once you made the connection, but you know, just check in every now and then and just be like, Hey, how's everything going? Or how's everything like that? It just, I think it speaks a lot about a person's character when, uh, they can see the long term out of a relationship or out of a connection instead of just like, Oh damn it. I didn't get the job or, you know, they didn't get my, they, I didn't get them as a client or, or whatever. Um, it's just keeping that open mind that, um, you know, people, people eventually will help you out when in the least you expect it. So um, yeah, that's, that's something to be mindful about. For sure. For sure. Uh, in terms of, I guess, kind of been trying for a while now, it's just, kind of crazy to think I always whenever I do these episodes I'm always trying to be con- consistent on the time and stuff like that I'm just looking at the clock right now I'm like what's already that time like oh, dude, I'm, crazy. I'm, I enjoy just chatting it with you so I really don't mind I'm in a rush um I did want to mention though and I'm something that again I'm I'm more curious about just because again I'm not too familiar with the space and, and stuff like that the space being obviously kind of clothing and designing and stuff like that what's what would you say, and you might've mentioned this a little bit earlier in our conversation, what would you say is the biggest obstacle so far, um, or even that you've kind of still struggling to overcome when it comes to the actual creation aspect of, of brigade? Um, that can be yeah, any section really probably, of, the, of the company. Well, the first thing, yeah, like I guess just as a company as a whole, the biggest obstacle is like maybe as corny as the sound has been myself, like actually... <laughs> And I know people kind of like, oh, that sounds like some like Hollywood movie answer, but like it actually is just like getting myself to be comfortable being uncomfortable was the biggest obstacle. Mm. Because again, as I'd mentioned earlier, I was planning and planning and planning and planning because I knew I couldn't fail at that. But I had to get comfortable of actually stepping out of that comfort zone and like actually getting the ball rolling and doing something that I could fail at. Mm-hmm. And I think that had been the biggest obstacle even to this day. Like my, my comfort zone is like just sitting and not working on brigade. Like, cause I could easily like sit and watch TV or go lay out in the sun. Like there's so many things I could do that require so much little effort, like less mm-hmm. effort to do. But like my biggest obstacle has just been getting myself to actually be comfortable being uncomfortable. And then starting to see that uncomfortness as like excitement. Cause originally gotcha. it was like, I'm just, Oh no, I've got the 20% battery mark. Go. You're good. <laughs> okay. Um, originally like that, that, that discomfort or that like unknowing caused me a lot of stress and like a lot of anxiety of like not knowing what's going to happen. And like, is this, am I doing the right thing? Am I putting enough time in? Is this the right design? Am I going to look the right way? Like, and I was just like, you have to like one, 
keep on aim. Like my aim is to launch this brand and anything that gets in the way of that is like not on target. It's not on mm-hmm. aim. Like you have to keep that vision. And I got tons of things thrown at me from left, right and center. What should I do? But like keeping on that aim and moving towards it. And as I thought, said to myself, you know what, even if you're uncomfortable, as long as you see yourself moving closer towards that goal, you're on the right track. Yeah. Like there's like 10 different tracks in front of me, but if you're getting closer to it, and you hit an obstacle, you to get over it, you back up and go down a different track, but you got to keep moving forward with this. Um, and then over time, that just like became excitement. Honestly, it did. Like, it just like, and I would listen to so many podcasts, and I still do, still do listen to these podcasts. And like, like these business podcasts, and I'd listen to that and then it kind of sound like mumbo jumbo, but like actually going through it, I'm like, <laughs> you know what? It's true. Like, it's actually legit true. Like, the more you fail at something, the more comfortable you become with it, the better you get at it. And then which you one are your? You, which one are your top ones? Sorry to cut you off. I'm just kind of interested in, in seeing what, um, uh, so what I first, you listen to. I first got into like business of fashion was a big one for me. Mm. And just listening to other entrepreneurs and like fashion startups, like get into it, like from like probably designers I'd never heard of to like um, big name brands and designers who are working for like Nike and Virgil and all these individuals. And mm-hmm. then I also got into, there's a clothing brand out of uh, New Zealand, uh, Auckland, New Zealand called I Love Ugly. And their founder started doing a podcast just about his entire journey. But it was so motivational. Like it's, it's actually like, it's probably one of my biggest like influences and inspiration to like listen to someone else in the industry and like all the stuff they have been going through and mm-hmm. relate to it and be similar. And like him say like, you know, like you're going to go through shit times and like there's ways to push forward through it and like actually using that to make it happen. That's been a huge podcast for me. And then now and then I'll dabble in the Tony Robbins realm, to be honest with you. I'll, I'll yeah. drink the Kool-Aid and I'll listen yeah, to some of his stuff. Yeah, drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah. You know, like I take it with a grain of salt, you know, like some of the stuff I kind of just like uh, is a bit of an eye roll, but some of it I, put, I take some gems out of there and those gems have actually been like really, really meaningful and like really beneficial. Like some like, it's almost like I'll listen to his stuff in an entire 30 minute podcast. I'll like, I'll get one thing out of there that was like, it was worth listening to for this one thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are like the biggest, those are the podcasts I've probably as of late been listening to the most. No um, Gary V. I was, when I went on Facebook a lot and I don't go on Facebook much, I listen to Gary V. Yeah. Um, I think when I was exposed to Gary V, I wasn't in that mindset. Mm, gotcha. And now when I listen to Gary V, I just like, I actually, I can't speak to it. I just don't listen to him anymore. I don't know why. I just don't. Fair I, just I, just curious. I found other people to listen to. Like, I know he's like a pretty big, like motivational not shit talker, but he like talks a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's but, um, very hoorah sometimes. I, 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 um, I, 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 I'll admit I'm a big, I'm a big Gary Vee fan. Um, I, think, arguably. I think what it was for him was I would listen to him say like, just go, 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 go. And I did that go, go, go. And I burnt out mm-hmm. and like, I couldn't keep up with my thought what he was, at least what I was interpreting. He was kind of preaching. Mm-hmm. And I thought like, I need to go about this a different way. Because I had mentioned earlier the whole like work life family like hustle balance like with information I was getting from him and maybe I just wasn't watching the right videos seemed like <laughs> sacrifice and go and hustle and like I've learned that like while the hustle is important your friendships are important your mental health is important yeah like your your there's so many other things that are important that you have to learn to balance and what I was getting from him at that time just what wasn't resonating with me so I think that's why I, I didn't really listen to Gary Vee all that much. Um, Man, what was I talking about earlier? Oh, like the the biggest obstacle. Yeah, yeah. Biggest obstacle was the just myself and learning that I could do something and that like I sh- I have to not be so resistant to change and things that I'm unsure of. And over time, that unsureness and that not knowing just became excitement. It became like a new thing to overcome. And so, gotcha. even though it's still stressful, and even though it's still like once I pull my hair out, it's almost like 
I still chase it because I know I can get there because even though I haven't gotten very far, I've gotten this far. I don't believe there's any reason why if I don't stay open-minded, I don't stay on track and I don't keep working hard at it. I can't make what I want to happen happen. Yeah. So any, any progress is good progress, right? It's uh, it's just a matter of, yeah, taking baby steps as they say it, right? And you're you're climbing the the ladder, you're going up the staircase, or whatever analogy metaphor you want to use. Um, at the end of the day, you're you're making progress towards your your dream, right? Which in this case for you is to be able to to do that. And to and to quickly add to that, like that's actually a really good point because like that progress aspect of it, like people like even I'm guilty of it. Think like this shouldn't be happening right away. Yeah, like I've put in like a week. I should be seeing. I put in a month. I should be seeing it. It's like it's just not true. Like mm-hmm. it's fake news. Like yeah. you have to be, you have to be okay knowing that like you might not see what you want to see right away, but as long as you keep at it, you will see it. Mm-hmm. And it's not like an overnight thing at all. And a lot of the times you probably have to stop and think about it and look back to where you were to really understand how far you've come. But if you keep moving, you will see it. And I think that was another big obstacle of mine is I didn't think things were happening fast enough. Yeah. I'd compare what I was seeing on social media or other people and say like, look how fast content's coming out. They're doing so much and comparing myself to that. And that was a big obstacle. I had to be like, you have to just focus on your stuff right now and get it going as best as you can and not think you're not moving fast enough. Don't compare yourself to other people with you at that point because it's just going to drive you crazy. Yeah. That was another and, big, big obstacle. Yeah. And that's a great transition actually to, to the kind of the, the next portion of the, of the episode, which unfortunately is, is near the end of it. And um, I'm trying to make it a, tra- a tradition. I've, I've been saying it for the last couple of episodes and even before that, and it kind of became a thing now. So we're going to try to make it a thing. And okay. um, the, nothing, nothing, nothing too crazy. It's all good. Uh, nothing to be scared about. Uh, but um, what I wanted to bring up was if you could give your younger self, younger Dylan, um, a piece of advice, whether it's five years ago, two years ago, last week even, a piece of advice to younger Dylan, what would it be and, and why? You know, it's hilarious and probably only a few people understand. Like, think about this, like any like uh, gaming nerds. But the first thing I thought of was like, don't play World of Warcraft in high school. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't waste your time on World of Warcraft. Don't play WoW, but, yeah. Yeah, but like, uh, like on all seriousness, I think, um, I think the biggest piece of advice I could give myself and I still give myself is like, be patient with myself. Mm. Don't, it's easy to put yourself under a lot of pressure. Like I'm guilty of this too. And I think you probably heard it like your own worst critic is yourself. It's like yes. be a bit kinder, be kind to yourself and realize that like you've made progress. You're working hard at something like don't measure your own success to other people, which I have had to like definitely teach myself. And also like, if you're thinking about it, do it. Mm-hmm. Like, again, as like I said, that time is going to pass and it's going to pass regardless of whether you do something about it or not. So if you think something's going to make you happy, if you think something is like you're passionate about it, you're itch enough to try it just go for it and don't don't wait on it like yeah do a bit of do a bit of planning and do like a bit of like what you need to do but like don't sit on it and do nothing about it like yeah. just go for it because if you fail a bit in it then you fail and if you don't yeah. then you don't and then you know whether you liked it or not but like yeah. i would definitely think like if i could have told myself as soon as i graduated high school to actually go for this instead of thinking about it i would have done it way earlier mm. i would have done it way earlier yeah yeah, it's a different path for everyone, right? Sometimes it's a little bit earlier in, in, in the journey of life, so to speak, making it yeah. very woo whimsical. But you know, in others it's it's like it's when you graduate university or you're or you're five years into your job or ten years into your job, right? I think for 
for for a lot of it, it's it's not a matter of of really when, but it's a matter of the, that you've actually done it, right? And the matter of why why you're doing it, and what you know, why why does you why do you as an individual want to pursue these certain things? So yeah, I agree a hundred percent. It's being patient with it and just um, you know planning it to a certain extent. It's like this little pool analogy that I just thought of, not like just literally right now. So. Um, if it's terrible, please don't hate me for it. But it's like, if you can't swim, you know, you get your floaties, but you still got to get into the pool, right? You still got to get into the pool, which is the pool is metaphor for the risks that you're willing to take, right? And you're going to only be able to learn how to swim by actually going into the pool, right? You might need the floaties at first, you might need some help, you might not be too sure. But you know, eventually, you'll take them floaties off and you're you know, you'll be Michael Phelps going through the, going through the water. <laughs> that was a terrible, terrible metaphor. You notice weekend, I was like, worst case, you have like a nice swan float to get an IG photo of. And then <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right? You got some content out of it. There you go. That's the way yeah, to think about it. Worst case, you get some IG content. <laughs> That's yeah. Um, Dylan, thank you so much, man. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I actually learned great. a lot more um, from kind of honestly, the, the starts of, you know, a clothing company to where it is now. And, you know, even off before we started, uh, before we started recording off the record, we, we chatted a little bit, but it was yeah. nice to kind of give the full glimpse. And um, I'm sure my, uh, the audience members as well are, are enjoying and have enjoyed this episode in the sense of understanding of, uh, you know, a little bit better on the story behind Brigade. And, you know, once the, the merch comes out and, and the, the apparel comes out, um, you know, hopefully sooner rather than later, they'll, they'll have an understanding of like, fingers crossed. Yeah. Fingers crossed, knock on wood. Um, they'll have an understanding of uh, you know the passion and the and the story behind uh, each little design and, and everything like that. So hopefully learn they definitely learned a little bit more about yourself and definitely learned more about brigade. So again, I appreciate you coming out. Where can they find you? Where can they see your work? Where can they kind of stay up to date with your coming with your with your coming soon? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, IG uh, Brigade Apparel is where like a lot of uh, posting like trying to poke it pokes weekly. Um, hopefully get posting more of that once I get some more content. Mm. Um, and that's, yeah, you can create me on LinkedIn, Dylan Welch. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> LinkedIn. Yeah. LinkedIn. If you want some advice, good. reach out. You can, I will take my own voice. Like if you have, if you want to ask yeah. questions about it, like reach out on LinkedIn and more than happy to just like connect and chat and talk about whatever it is you, uh, yeah. You need. Whatever, yeah. whatever people need, uh, need to talk about, you know, I mean, even outside of the clothing as well, you, you have a background obviously in, in marketing and digital advertising. So if, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, he can maybe share some, some insight on that as well. It's not just uh, clothing based and, um, or if for you sure, just need a, sure. you just need a connection or something, you know, that's what, for this sure. is what it's for is building that network. So thank you again, Dylan. I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming on, on the show. Um, thank you again. And uh, thank yeah, you cheers, to man. all of our listeners for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. You learned a little bit more about, about Dylan and what he does and, and hopefully what you'll be able to see from him in the, in the near future. Make sure to uh, give him some BV love in the, in the, in the Instagram and, and in the LinkedIn as well, if you, if you're interested in that. Um, but uh, we just wanted to say again, uh, both of us, thank you for, for tuning in and um, yeah, hopefully have a good rest of your day and take care everyone. Cheers. Adios. Adios.